had a chance to sing along with us at home uh, and just enjoy uh, his presence. Want to give a big shout out and thank you to all of our kids ministry volunteers, also known today as parents. Uh, well done in keeping uh, your kids. You can send them off to kids church. I just don't know where that is in your home, but uh, uh, again, thankful for the opportunity to do this as families. And and I know some last night some of the some of the families from our church was were gathering together in homes. And you know if you're feeling well and, and to be able to do that, that is great, great too. Uh, one of the things we uh, wanted to just quickly let you know is all of our small groups are still going to be meeting this week, so our small group leaders will be in touch with you as far as uh, any of the different protocols that may be happening. There won't be any cafe, so make sure you grab something on your way. But um, wanted to uh, wanted to chat this morning. We are obviously in a unique se- season. This is this is very very different. It it feels a little it feels a little bit odd uh, uh, to be honest. Speaking into a room. Um, uh, very few people, but knowing that you're listening and that Reuben is here, that helps a lot. So uh, it's this time where people are self-quarantining and self-isolation. I'm not sure everybody fully understands that. My wife tried to lock me out of our bedroom the other night. I don't think that's what the self-isolation is about, but uh, uh, people that are making some of these decisions, uh, we're grateful for it. Sometimes you have to make decisions like this that aren't easy simply because you have no idea what everyone else is going to do. I remember years ago, we were on a cruise with our family, and the norovirus was on the cruise ship. And so uh, the announcements were over and over. Everyone use hand sanitizer before you go through the food lines. Don't touch the handrails. No hand-to-hand contact. And they would repeat this over and over. And so we told our kids, and then we're walking through the cruise ship and going down the stairs, and there I see my son Maddox. He's not holding the handrail. He's licking the handrail. And we're like, wah! And sure enough... Within a few hours, he was sick, and it just spread through, uh, through most of us on that trip. So sometimes the reason we have to do things like this is we have no idea what everyone else is going to do. But I'm just really glad that the church, the church, is not hindered by things like this. The church is probably empowered by things like this. Because sometimes we're tempted to think that we gathered in a building on a Sunday morning, and we did church, or we had church That is not Jesus' plan at all. It was more so that you would be out in your world, being a light where you are, shining where you are, worshiping where you are, and gathering together every once in a while to celebrate those moments. So this might be the opportunity that that God is using to to push his church out of the buildings and into, into the plate, into the world where it's so, so needed. And so this morning, my hope is that you're encouraged to be that to be that light. This might have been the first time you actually had the experience to be the church in your home. It might have felt awkward, but man, we hope it feels normal and natural. Uh, We're going to do this for whatever period of time is necessary. But uh, again, that doesn't stop what God wants to do in and through your life. And so I want to say thanks to Gary for last week. Man, what a timely word. If you weren't here, you can watch it online. That's again, a a great benefit. But he left us with this one thought at the end, and I hope you didn't miss it because it really was a great, great thought for us to hold on to in this time. And it it was this, in you, Lord, he was talking about what David's thoughts were. In you, Lord, I put my trust. Not in hand sanitizer and whatever else. God, I, I trust you. I'll use wisdom, but my trust, my heart's in you. And my hope is in you all day long. What a great thought, because for many, it, this isn't always the truth. It isn't always the truth. And so this, this morning, I, I just want to take a one-week break from the relationships series that, we've, that we're in, uh, just to talk about this uh, subject of fear, simply because I know myself. I know that fear has been, was a master of mine at times, and it always has that, that 
possibility of wanting to take over my life again. And so I wanted, I don't think I'm the only one who finds himself in that position sometimes. So I want to chat a little bit about that this morning, again, to remind myself and hopefully you of where fear belongs in our life. And so there's different levels of fear. Uh, they, they, people smarter than me have leveled these things of, of incremental levels. And the first one they start with is this word called scare. Uh, one of my favorite games I used to play with my kids was hide and go, instead of hide and go seek, hide and go scare. I'd go hide and when they find me, I'd scare them a big noise and just watch their faces. And I, oh man, it, it was hilarious to me. But that's the, that's the uh, idea of scare. It's this sudden attack of fright, but it's just instant and momentary. That's what uh, the, the first level of fear is. The second level, they say it moves to worry, where it's that initial fright, but now it starts lodging in the mind. Worry means give way to anxiety or unease. It means allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble. And then that gives way to this thing where they call it anxiety, where it starts affecting your body. It's this feeling of worry about an imminent event or something with uncertain outcome. Oh, it's coronavirus. It's just going to get me. And everywhere you are, you've got this anxiety, which then takes another step to phobia, which is extreme or irrational fear or aversion to something. And then it ends with paranoia, where it's terror and you feel like your life is being threatened, imminent, imminent danger. There's different things people worry about. I know right now that coronavirus is the thing going around that it's on everybody's mind in the media. But for you, maybe this morning is something else. Maybe you're like, you know, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not personally not afraid of the virus in the sense of, of how it may affect me personally. But maybe you've got other fears. Maybe you're here this morning like, where, was I, where am I going to go to church today? All the churches are closed. Maybe your fear is like, what if I run out of hand sanitizer? and I don't know, I, I'm not, I, What am I going to do then? But I bet that there's others here this morning that have other fears that are, that are sitting here. Maybe it has to do with the, you know, illness um, in your children. Maybe for you, it's that, you know, the doctors have given you a report. Maybe you're going through cancer treatment and you're wondering and, and those thoughts are there. Maybe for you, your marriage is in trouble and you wonder and you, and, and you worry about where that's going. Maybe your parents are talking the D word, divorce, and you're like, oh, this, this, this panic and, and worry. Maybe for you, it's your job and your business. Everything's being affected. Maybe you got all kinds of stocks in the market and you're just watching it go red and redder. And there's this, these worries. Whatever it may be, there's all different kinds. And sometimes for us, I think it feels like we're hardwired to fear. Like it's, like it's like we're born that way. And they say that, you know, we're actually born with two fears, the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. And, and some of the fears we have are meant to keep us alive, but most of the fears we have, <laughs> they, they're, they're not healthy for us. They're fears that make us do crazy stuff. I, I, obviously, you've been um, seeing some of the, the news reports of the empty aisles of toilet paper, but I just find it hilarious as I watch some of the things that you see. They, they've got video of people fist fighting over toilet paper. Uh, women fist fighting over toilet paper. That video is like, just kind of blows my mind. I had no idea women love toilet paper that much. So, I mean, next Valentine's Day, fellas, forget the chocolate, forget the flowers. Just get them 24 rolls of three-ply Charmin. They love that stuff stuff. It makes us do crazy things. And maybe it's not outside, but inside there's some of these, uh, these, these crazy things that we do that 
are simply because we're motivated by this thing called fear. Fear is no respecter of persons. It affects all of us, old, young, uh, man, woman, child, rich, poor. It's a common thing, and it's commonly talked about in Scripture as well. And so we want to take a look at that this morning. In the Old Testament, there was the stories of the famous heroes, Gideon and Moses and, and Joshua, and God would say to them over and over, don't be afraid, just trust me. Don't be afraid. And my, I imagine they would be like hearing God's message, don't be afraid, and be like, that's easy for you to say. You're God, and I'm in this battle. David, don't be afraid. Yeah, you're God, but look at that. The, all the Israelites last week, yeah, sure, you, that's easy for you, but look at the giant we're facing. In the New Testament, you know, we see around the birth of Jesus how so many people, when, when God came to the planet personally, there was all kinds of fear that he came into. Uh, to, to Joseph, he said, don't be afraid. Trust me, I'm in this. With Mary, don't be afraid. Trust me, I'm with you and I'm in this. Uncle Zachariah, trust me, don't be afraid. I'm in this. And then even to the shepherds at, the, at that the very night, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. God's in this and God is with you was the message then and it continued on. Jesus kept sharing that message with people uh, all throughout his ministry. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. Uh, you read through um, um, the Gospel of Mark, which we're re I'm reading through right now in my read through the New Testament plan. There's the disciples in, in Mark 4. They're in the storm and in the boat, and, and they're afraid. Jesus, don't you care? Are you going to let us die? And he, he says, guys, I'm in the boat. I'm in the, you think this boat's going down? I'm in this boat with you. Just trust me. He says later, in one chapter later, uh, there's a man named Jairus who comes to Jesus because his daughter's sick. Can you imagine? Just picture that. As any parent you've exhausted every other option and you're like, oh, Jesus, could you heal my daughter? But as Jairus comes up to Jesus and asks if um, Jesus would heal his daughter, a messenger runs up, had run from the town that Jairus, Jairus is from and runs up and says, hey, Jairus, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Uh, your daughter's dead. Imagine the look on his face. And Jesus looks over at Jairus. You know what his words are? He says, don't be afraid, Jairus. Just trust me. Don't be afraid. Just trust me. When the disciples were being sent out to go spread the word and they were afraid that there was people who didn't like them, people who wanted to kill them, Jesus' words to them, guys, don't be afraid. Just trust me. And if he said it over and over and over throughout, I believe it's his word for us today. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't buy into fear. Trust me. Trust me. Jesus' most famous talk was called the Sermon on the, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't call it that. But it's the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been studying uh, with our small group. And uh, it, Jesus gives us some insight into our response to worry. Uh, years ago, my daughter, uh, she had this app called the Mood Scanner. You put your thumb on the phone and it would scan and it would tell you what mood you were in. It's just for fun. But so she went around, she went to the, her little brothers to find out what mood they were in. And Max, of course, scans his thumb and Reese reads it to him because he couldn't read back. Then it says, uh, Max, it says you're worried. And he's like, yay, I'm worried. That's not the normal response that we have for that. And I think for, for most of us, it shouldn't be the normal response. But we do have a response, and here's what Jesus says. So if you have your Bible, maybe you got to go to that shelf, grab it, dust it off, or, or grab your iPad or your iPhone. Follow along with us. Uh, get used to reading Scripture in your own home. Here it is, Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. The words of Jesus on that mountainside, talking to people. Can you picture that? There they were sitting as he taught them. He said this, Matthew 6, 25. This is why I tell you not to worry. He was talking about not trusting in money. 
But he simply says to them, I'm telling you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes. Those are things they worried about all the time. We think we have lots of worries, but for them it was a daily thing trying to make sure they had enough food, enough water, enough clothes. But he says to them, isn't life more valuable or worth more than uh, food? And isn't your body more than clothing? Then he says this in verse 26, and it's one simple word, and I hope that if you forget everything, you remember this one word this morning. It's this, look, look. He says, look at the birds. I know you're all sitting on the hill. You're thinking about, what am I going to do for dinner? What am I going to wear tomorrow? You know, where am I going to find clothes? Where are we going to find water? And he's like, I want you to take a look for a second. He says, look at the birds. I mean, take a look. And, and they all look at the birds. He says, see them? They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store food in barns. Why? Because your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they? Oh, they think and wonder. And then he says to the, to the probably to the women, he says, um, um, can, can all your worries, well, he would say this to all, can all your worries add a single minute to your life? Of course not. But then he moves to the, the clothing side. He says to them, he says, hey, and why worry about your clothing? What you're going to wear? He says, look, look at the lilies, look at the flowers, look at the lilies of the fields and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. He says this, yet Solomon, the richest king to, to ever live that they, that they knew of, he said, even he, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as these flowers are. And if God cares so much about wildflowers and about those birds flying by, don't you think he cares about you? He'll certainly care about you. He says in the last line, why? Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little trust? What he reveals to us is we don't really have a fear issue, a worry issue. We have a trust issue. He says, why don't you trust? And he simply says to them, where are you looking? When you've got worry and fear, where are you looking? Because he says, look at, I want you to look somewhere else for a moment. Look at the birds and see, God takes care of them. Yeah, look at the flowers. God's taking care of them. Yeah, why do you have so little trust? You know, worry is like, uh, Worry is where the fear gets unleashed in your mind. Uh, we have a dog named Reba that uh, someone uh, gave us so graciously. And then when we had this dog, we put her on a leash because we didn't want her to run away. But she hated the leash. And so for us, we were trying to, we had to con- try and convince her every night with a new trick, you know, leaving treats in different places to finally try and catch her and put her on the leash. Uh, well, she got so smart that she didn't fall for any of our tricks anymore. And then all of a sudden it was coyote season. And there's our dog running around the house, barking at coyotes, protecting us, which we really didn't need the protection. And so we had this one last trick that worked. And it was you park the van, open the door with some kids in it at two in the morning, calling the dog to come jump into the thing. And she's rah, 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 and wouldn't jump in. I was like, jump in here because I'm taking you to the neighbor's farm and I'm dropping you off. I didn't tell her that, but she didn't jump in. We found out later that dog just did not like leashes at all and would just, she stays around. But that continual barking, it's like, that's the same that we, so many of us have in our minds when it comes to things like this. It's like all the media, all the, the thoughts, it's like rah, 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 rah in our minds. And for us, we try and leash it. We're, we think, oh man, I'll try and think of something different. I try and get my mind off of it. I try and stay busy And then when you lay down at night, all of a sudden, there it is again. And it's not necessarily the virus. It might be the illness. It might be the marriage issues. It might be uh, what's going on with your kids. Bark, bark, bark. It feels like I just can't get a hold on it. Jesus said to them, you know what? Worry is not going to add a single moment to your life. It actually does the opposite. It wastes all kinds of your time. And it it inhibits the the decision-making and action-taking skills that you have. 
Worry will never change the outcome. You can worry about something. It's not going to change what happens there. All it changes is the journey from here to there. And that's the journey you're on. That's the steps that we're on today. What are we going to do with this day? It's not going to change what happens in the end result, but it's going to change how we walk this journey. And so Jesus says, why do, you, why do you have so little trust? Why do you worry? And I think he lets us in on the answer in the next verse, Matthew 6, 31. He says this, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Who's saying those things? He's saying, you're saying those things. What will we, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And what's the common word in that? We, me, I, the focus is on me. What am I going to do? How is this going to affect me? How is this all going to affect me? He says in verse 32, you know what? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father, he already knows your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. See, he says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Who are they? They're people who don't realize that they can look somewhere else other than to themselves. They're people who don't realize that there's a heavenly father that they could look to. And Jesus is simply saying to them, I want you to to, to be aware that you have other places to look, but more so than that, that you have other people to look to, specifically your heavenly father, that you would look to him. So Jesus' message wasn't, and I wish it was, you know, I wish he had said, hey, don't worry, because I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. But that wasn't his message, because there's bad stuff that happens to us. We're honest, bad things happen, but, but what Jesus simply said is, when bad things happen, don't worry, I'm with you. I'm with you. Look to me because I am with you. And I think about that with Jesus, with the disciples. He's like, fellas, you're looking at the storm, but I'm in the boat. He says, why are you looking at everything going on around you when you just need to look to me? I'm with you. You know, when Peter's walking on the waves, Peter, why are you looking at the waves? Just keep your eyes on me and I'll keep you walking above this storm. When Jairus ran up to him and Jesus is like, Jairus, don't let your eyes focus on the messenger that came from town because you've got the messenger from heaven right here in front of you. Would you get your eyes on me? And this morning, my challenge for you, whether you're in this room or watching online, who are you looking to right now? If worry and fear is grabbing in your mind, who are you looking to? Are you looking at how does this affect me? How, I, I, I guarantee that's a part of the, the reason worry is allowed to remain in your mind at all. And God's just calling us saying, my son, my daughter, my kids, would you just, would you look to me? It's what Saul would later write, sitting in a prison cell to the new believers all around the, the, uh, the known, uh, the, the Roman Empire. I, it, I pictured that as I was preparing this week. There's Paul sitting in a prison cell all by himself, and he's writing, knowing that somewhere out there, there's going to be people gathering in homes, I thought that feels like this. This isn't really like prison to me, but it's that idea of what do you say to the people who are watching in their homes but know they're there? And Paul's like, what do I write? What do I write? I love this. He writes to the Philippians, Philippians 4, verse 4. He says, this always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Can you imagine that letter arriving to the Philippians and they open it like, always be full of joy. They're, they're under Roman oppression. It's a difficult season for those Jesus followers. Like, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Paul. Until they realize, wait a second, he's writing this from prison. He's telling us to be joyful. He's joyful in prison. Huh, okay, what do you, what, how, Paul? How? Verse 6, he says this. You want to be full of joy? Then don't worry about anything. Anything's anything. Fill in the blank. Whatever you're worried about, coronavirus, illness, cancer, um, 
uh, divorce, your marriage troubles, your kids, whatever it may be, they're all under the category of anything. He says, don't worry. Don't allow yourself to worry. You might be concerned, but don't worry about it. He says, instead, here's what you can do instead. Pray. Pray about everything. Let's talk to God about these things. Tell God what you need. God, maybe I just need peace in this situation because it's an unknown. God, I'd like to have answers, but if I don't have them, I just need to know that you're walking with me. Would you give me that sense of peace again in my heart? He says, thank him for what he has done. You know, it's amazing how you remember how God's protected us from like the Zika virus and all of the other things that have gone on. It wasn't the end of the world. Y2K, if you were there, the computers, nothing all crashed. And even if they did, the church, he said, I'm going to build my church. And that's you. That's you. You can be confident of that. Here he said this in verse 7. He says, you know, once you've told God what you need, you've thanked him for what he's done and doing. He says, you'll experience God's peace. That peace exceeds anything we can understand and people won't understand it. But he says that peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so verse eight now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. He says the thoughts of unbelievers are in all this worry, but you fix your thoughts on things that are true. We've talked about that in the Armor Up series. He says, you know, you got to put on that belt of truth. It's got to be on your mind because you're going to be facing all kinds of things. You're not sure what to believe. And so we always said with the armor up, from now on, from now on, even at home, from now on, I think I heard you from Jarvis, put that on. His peace, man, when you've got truth on and peace, it doesn't make sense to those around you. It opens up opportunity for you to share about the giver of that peace. And here's final thoughts this morning. You know, there's lots of times where we're tempted to look, to look at us, to look at what's going around and worry. But C.S. Lewis uh, wrote something 72 years ago. A guy named Matt Smethurst actually brought this up through the Gospel Coalition. May have, may have seen it going around the internet this week. But he, uh, he basically um, just said, you could take what C.S. Lewis said about the atomic bomb 72 years ago and just change the, change the, bl- um, the blank of atomic bomb to coronavirus or anything you worry about. And I'd encourage you to listen to it in that light this morning. C.S. Lewis said this, this is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken. It's to pull ourselves together. When there's all this pandelirium, he says, if we're, if we're all gonna be destroyed by an atomic bomb or by coronavirus or by whatever it is that you're worried about, he says, let that bomb or virus or whatever it is, when it comes, let, let it find us doing sensible and human things. Let it find us praying. Let it find us working. Let it find us teaching and reading and listening to music and bathing the children and playing tennis, chatting with our friends over a pint of root beer and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about the coronavirus. They may break our bodies, but they, may not, they, they need not dominate our minds. Given way too much airplay in our minds, to things that, that we worry about. And God's saying, I just want you to look, look to me. I love how Paul challenged Timothy and simply said to him, Tim, I know you're going to be going through stuff, but God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you his spirit and that's full of love. It's full of his power and a sound mind. Tim, you're going into some tough spots, but you're going in different than everyone else around you. What a great, great promise. There's one old, old Hebrew song that goes like this. Psalm 121. I'm going to ask our musicians if you guys want to make your way to the stage. David said, that, I don't know if it's David. Whoever the psalmist wrote, they wrote this. They said, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? 
My help comes from the Lord. What does he say? Where I look, I look to the Lord. And he says, he made heaven and earth. He's not going to let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not uh, slumber. Indeed, he who watches over uh, Israel never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's like, I want you to look to God because he's looking to, to you. He says, the Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, the moon by night. Why? Because the Lord, the God of heaven, keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. Verse 8, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. My question for us this morning is this. When worry starts coming in, do we trust that God's watching us? Do you trust that you can look to your good and perfect and loving heavenly Father, knowing he's looking at you? He's not oblivious. He's not unaware of all the stuff that's going on in your life. But are you looking to him? You know, one last story, my last Max story. Uh, You know, years ago, when we were, uh, Max, when he was young, he was just super independent. He wanted to go and and do his own thing. And so we were were walking on the beach one day uh, and as a family, and Max was kind of running off. And so I followed him and the rest of the family stayed behind. And and I, as, as, he, as watching him, all of a sudden I had this thought, I wonder, I wonder what he's going to do if I just let him go off on his own. And so I decided I would sort of hang back and I would, I would hide so I could see him, but he couldn't see me. And I hid and he just kept on walking. So then I got out and found another hiding place and he kept on walking. He was so uh, enamored by all the stuff on the beach. And as finally, finally, after we've gone a ways down the beach, he stops he turns around and he starts to look and he doesn't see anybody he knows. He doesn't see anyone he recognizes. He doesn't even know where he is. So he starts looking and you just begin to see the, the fear begin to grip in his eyes. And as he looks and as he looks, I wait till that moment right before he's going to cry and I step out from where I was hiding. And his eyes meet mine. And you know, in that moment, all the worry and all the fear was gone. He was still on the other side of the beach. We were pretty far apart from each other. But because he could see that I was watching him, he knew he had nothing else to fear, nothing else to worry about. Nothing had changed. He hadn't taken one step closer to safety yet, but he knew he had nothing to worry about. And that's my encouragement for you this morning. That we say, God, we're looking to you. Doesn't mean that the situation has changed. It isn't that, oh, if all the Christians would just look to God, coronavirus would disappear. Or if, all the, if we just look to God, well, then my marriage will instantly be fixed. Or if I just look to God, my rebellious child will start being obedient. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. But what happens is you take the journey differently. And as you journey differently, you become to have the opportunity to be a light, to shine, to allow that hope and that life to flow through you as opposed to worry keeping you in a prison. So what about us this morning? I asked myself, what about me? Am I going to allow everything that I read in the news, whether it's true or not true, to root in my mind? Or are we just going to look to our Heavenly Father and say, God, what are the opportunities around us? Who do you want me to reach out to in these moments? The financial struggles people are going through, are we going to look at all of that and worry? Be like, God, I trust you. You've taken care of birds for centuries. You've taken care of people for generations. God, I I trust you. I look to you this morning. You know what'll happen? You'll know the moment because where the worry was, he'll fill your heart and your mind with peace. Why? Because he promises it. He promises it. And so this morning, my challenge for us is that we would really connect with our heavenly father this week. Not just, oh, I read, read a Bible verse. I read the verse of the day, but that I would sit and just allow those moments to say, God, 
I'm just focusing on you today. I'm breathing in your love today. God, help me to breathe out love to others around. God, today I choose with everything around me to look to, I choose to look up. I choose to look up. And so in your homes this morning and here in this place, we're just going to finish with a song. Simply puts this to words. So you have a chance to do it. So I'd encourage you, we're each of us here in this place to do the same thing. God will look up. I choose your perfect peace. I choose that in these moments. I believe that that kind of peace is what our world needs. They may find it through you uh, uh, displaying that in, the, in wherever you find yourself. And in, so final thought this morning, I believe probably that most of the people tuning in this morning are Jesus followers. But if you're listening this morning, you're not a Jesus follower. And you look and you've heard and you've stayed on long enough to hear to this point. And you think, you know, yeah, you talk about hope. You talk about all of that. And it's a foreign concept for you. For you, it's like, man, I, I feel hopeless. I've exhausted every other avenue. I, I don't really even know where to turn anymore. Life doesn't make sense. Life just, everything we try, is just, it's broken. Well, welcome to humanity. But God, God so loved broken humanity that he sent his son. You know what he said? Whoever would look to him would be saved. Whoever would look to him, whoever would trust in him, could have a new beginning, a new start, come alive on the inside, be forgiven, be guilt-free. Man, that's amazing. And that's his gift to you this morning. So I'd encourage you um, to let us know if that's you. Maybe you can shoot us an email or whatever. We'd love to pray with you. But you don't really need to talk to us as much as you just need to reach out to him. Even through this song this morning, God, I'll look up to you. Can we do that together?
Jesus, you're Lord of all. It's more than just words. We intentionally, right now in this moment, just lift our cares and our concerns to you, Heavenly Father. God, we choose your peace. We choose to look to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for designing this thing called church where we can be your hands and feet and your body. Encouragement to one another and a light to our world. Father, I pray that through this, <laughs> through this opportunity we have, may people see you. May they see you like they've never seen you before. Love you, Father. Today is for your glory and your honors. We celebrate you the rest of this day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, again, we will be here. Uh, we'll keep you posted on what our plans are for the next uh, next week and you can find that on our website uh, or uh, following uh, on our Facebook page. We'll keep you posted. Otherwise, looking forward to seeing those of you who are going to be part of our small group studies this week. That is where the church gathers in circles. It's where real growth happens, and super excited for that. And so, uh, is Penny watching today? She had a birthday, so happy birthday, Penny. Otherwise, you guys are, uh, uh, I say you're dismissed, because that's what I normally say. Do whatever you want. You're at your house. All right. You guys are dismissed. Thanks a lot. Have an awesome day.